Welcome, everyone, to Scratching the Surface. I am your host, Austin Douglas. And today, we're going to scratch the surface on feeding your mind and why feeding your mind is necessary. And I'll explain that with what happened to me today. Today is Tuesday. I'm a little late on this podcast, but, you know, don't burn me at the stake. But right now, real time, Tuesday, 845 on April 11th. And today I was out in the field doing blue spruce treatments, specifically for um, rhizophera needle cast and uh, potentially some cytospora canker. And why I say that we need to feed our mind and why we're I'm going to go down this rabbit hole today is because I had to learn what rhizophera needle cast was. I had to learn what cytospora canker was. And because I learned what those are, I can then provide solutions. And typically solutions, the end result of that is money in your pocket, right? Pretty simple. If you know how to solve something for somebody, generally speaking, you can charge for it. You know, I mean, a plumber goes to fix a, a, a clogged drain or whatever. He knows how to fix it. He knows how to be the solution. He has the solution and he charges for it. Your electricity's not working. Linemen know the solution. They know how to fix it, right? And so in our industry, in the green industry, if you can solve problems or be the solution for somebody, you can monetize it just like anything else, right? So I, through my education and my journey of educating myself, I've learned what these certain fungal diseases are. And not only have I learned them and how to identify them, but I've also learned how to, I don't want to say cure them, but treat them, right? Mitigate them, keep them at bay, uh, make it to where they're not as uh, an issue. And so that's really the the premise of feeding your mind is, is never stop learning, right? Because if you learn something and you acquire knowledge, that knowledge then gives you the ability to provide a solution. You know, I sometimes... You know, we're scrolling on, on uh, you know, some sort of social media site, pick and choose whatever, whichever one you you guys go to. I like Facebook and Instagram. That's my that's my demon. Right. But, you know, you can you can learn like miscellaneous information that really probably is never going to you know, affect your life in a positive way. Maybe. Right. You might learn about a cool vacation spot or, you know, the next cruise or some secluded island that's not going to be secluded very long. But you're not going to learn something, generally speaking, on social media that will solve someone's problem and make you money. Now, of course, there's people that have courses and things like that. And you can purchase those and you probably find them through social media. And it does solve a problem and you can monetize it, right? I have the Poison Ivy Academy. It's our digital courses on how to treat Poison Ivy or how to start a Poison Ivy remediation company. And, you know, that's my way of trying to get people out there to solve other people's problems because they're it's a huge problem across the US. But the thing is you have to you have to learn. You have to learn the nuances. You have to learn the details. You have to learn the plants. You have to learn all these things, right? If you cut grass, you have to learn how to use a trimmer correctly, how to use a mower correctly, what height do you cut the grass, how do you handle hills. But you learn all of that so that way you can solve someone's problem. So you can be the solution. And when you can, when you can solve greater problems, 
and be a bigger solution, typically speaking, you're going to inherently make more money. It just makes sense, right? You're solving a bigger problem and thus you have more value. And so the tree injections and the tree treatments that I've been doing, you know, they're solving some big problems if you think about it. Because for those clients, okay, one of one of my clients has, I don't know, I think 12 blue spruce trees. I think 12. And if you think about it, what's the cost to treat them versus the cost to remove and replant them? You know, removal at a bare minimum, you're talking about, you know, $300 a tree at a bare minimum. And that's probably like a truck in a truck who's not very experienced. So $300 a tree, 300 times 12, 3,600 bucks. Okay, $3,600. Well, if I treat those trees for, you know, 300 and it's still super profitable for me, you know, it's it, I'm I'm making money, but I'm solving their problem, not having to cut these trees down. And whenever I go into the situation and I talk to people about specifically Rise of Fair and Needlecast, um, a great mentor of mine by the name of Daniel Miraval told me to always ask the question, you know, is this your forever home or is this just, you know, a, a, a step in the stage in life? Is this just a, a, a home to get you to the next home? And it's an interesting question when you ask someone, because now they have to think, well, am I going to live here forever? And typically my response is, if you're going to live here forever, it might be worth spending the $3,600 to remove these trees and replant something that you're not going to have an issue with. And I always ask that question now. And generally speaking, if it is someone's forever home, they heed that advice and they go out and they research or they ask me, what would you recommend to replant here? And I make my suggestions and they end up doing it. Or, you know, if they say, you know what, this isn't my forever home, but I would like it to look nice while I'm here. I'd rather treat it. Okay, then we can do that. Right. Let me solve your problem. But I can't solve your your problem if I don't know, you know what is what your plans are. You know, you got to think like big picture here. Right. Because if you if you're charged someone like, I don't know, 80 bucks a tree to treat it. How many years is it going to take to reach that thirty six hundred dollar mark? You know, 12 trees times 80. You do the math, right? It's going to take a few years to get there. You really want to make that commitment to do this every single year to fight this disease? It's up to you. But you have to feed your mind, right? You you couldn't even propose a solution if you didn't know what was going on. If you didn't know what disease it was, if you didn't know the chemicals or the treatment process or the timing, you you couldn't even pose a solution. You couldn't even provide value to your client. And so if you learn more things and you become more well-versed, inherently you can provide more value to your client and thus you're worth more. It just makes sense, right? When you know more information, you can monetize that information for bigger and better things. Um, you know, my journey into becoming a certified arborist was really due to um, me watching a Keith Kalfas YouTube video and watching a gentleman by the name of Daniel Mirabal. I've already mentioned him in this podcast, but he he was a huge influence to me because at the time I was working at a nursery and I was pruning trees and I saw this guy and, and he's a, a certified arborist and he's a board certified master arborist. And he's talking about the plant health care and he's talking about doing root collar excavations. And it's like, what is this? I always thought an arborist was a guy that climbed trees, cut trees and removed trees and prune trees, big trees. That's not the case at all. There's so many other things out there to be done. And I'm 
you don't know unless you crack open a book and look or expose yourself to it. Like exposing yourself to it is one thing. Going down rabbit holes is a totally different beast. And I, what happened? So I was at a Retree Academy. I want to say this was, I don't know, three, four years ago. It was the very first one that Retree, which if you don't know who Retree is, check out re-tree.org. Phenomenal company. They specialize in in moving and relocating uh, large specimen trees. Very cool. Very cool. They use the airspade for that. But while I was there, you know, I, I was talking to Daniel. That's where I met Daniel for the first time in person. And he was like shocked. He's like, whoa, you're here? It's like, yeah, man, I'm here. Like, you're here? He's like, yeah. And so it was kind of one of those funny moments, you know? And while we were there, I was I was looking at what was going on, and and it was it was, it was funny, but it's not funny, but it's funny. If you if you if you know, you know, right? Um we we go through this whole academy to watch how to move big trees. And at the very end of it, uh Daniel pulls me and maybe a couple other guys aside and he says, you know, you guys could do that, or you could do this. And he showed us, you know, various other services that you can provide with an airspade. And it blew my mind. I was like, what? You're charging what for what? He said, yeah. He said, this is a super special specialty service. And it's because it takes a certain mind to be able to know what you can do. And it, it clicked. It's like, oh, so you're offering this super niche service within a niche industry. So a niche upon a niche. And not too many people do it. If you were to look up in your area, um, arborists that perform airspade or, or pneumatic soil excavation, you're very likely not going to find too many. Same thing here. I mean, I, the only people I know around me that do it, there's maybe two, to be honest, that I know of personally. Retree is one. And then the other one is my good friends down in their company's called Tree First. You know, they say they do it and they rent an airspade off of a person and then they have to rent a compressor and then they have to do it. Well, all of that has a cost to rent that stuff, right? But knowing this service and knowing what you can do with this service and why you would perform this service, that allows you to solve people's problems. And I just had a call today with a client. I actually, I, we shared some emails a few days ago and he was talking about his, uh, he has a maple tree in his yard. Originally, I had diagnosed that it had a, a girdling root, which was affecting the tree. And then I recommended that he contact Daniel Mirabal. Well, Daniel at the time couldn't get out there. His schedule was too full and totally understandable, right? The guy's got things to do, but you know, he, he reached out to another tree company and said, what should I do? And they recommended, well, cut the girdling root, right? That was their solution. And this whole time I didn't have the tools. I had the knowledge, but I didn't have the tools to provide the solution, to be the solution. Since then, I have acquired the tools and I've acquired more knowledge and now I can be the solution. And because I can be the solution this year, um, that gentleman, we spoke on the phone today, we we're having this conversation. And I said, you know, how much do you want to invest in this tree? Because these services, they're not, they're not cheap, so to say, right they're, It's not like I'm going to come out there for like 200 bucks. And I said, so I really want to know like your budget for this tree. You know, why is this tree important to you? How much are you willing to throw at it? And what are you willing to do with it? Because then that, that'll help me dictate, you know, what I would recommend within your budget to solve your issue. 
And so we went back and forth and we talked and we spoke and, and we, you know, I educated on various other services and why you would do certain services and how long those services typically last and, and just general recommendations. I'm going to go out there Friday. And, you know, I told him, you know, you're pretty much looking at this range, you know, more or less. And he said, okay, that range is doable. And I said, okay, see, so by feeding your mind, by going to events, by learning new skill sets, by being around people that have skill sets that you do not and acquiring the knowledge, you can then take that knowledge, monetize it, become the solution to somebody. They're happy because you're solving their problem and you're happy because you monetize this information in one way, shape or form. And that's the goal, right? That's the whole reason behind the Poison Ivy Academy is to give you the information so that way you can take that information and monetize it and solve people's problems. Poison Ivy is a big problem. It's an expensive problem. It's an expensive problem because not too many people do it. And so you can charge accordingly. Look, look, lady or Miss Jones or Mr. Jones, you know, you called me to get rid of this. I know how to do this. I'm a professional at this. You think my purse is too high? Do you know anyone else in the area that does this? They're going to blank out and say no. So then, yes, I can charge what I'm charging because you don't know anyone else. And if they say it's too much and they walk away, okay, somebody's willing to pay it. I've gone to so many jobs out there where I set a number and the person's like, oh, it's only that much. You know, you get one of those and you're like, oh, dang, I should have charged more. But the reality is, is, you know, I, I price things based on my gut and I price things based on square foot and product. And I, I, I like price a job three different ways. And it generally always comes out to be within 10%. And I think that's pretty accurate, right? You trust your gut based on your experience. You punch in the numbers based on square footage and you punch in the numbers based on the material you're going to use. And you should, with those three factors, be pretty damn close. All three. If one of them's way off, you know, that's when you got to do a gut check and be like, well, what's going on here? <sighs> but the whole premise of that, feeding your mind, right? Learn how to do poison ivy remediation services. You guys will not regret it. Yeah, I've been doing this like for 10 years and legitimately, legitimately, it's it's changed my life. You know, I, I was on a mowing crew. Now, this is a funny story. So I was on a mowing crew. I don't know, back when I was maybe 17 years old, 18, maybe I think it was 18. A buddy of mine got the job. He went to go work somewhere else. And he said, yeah, these guys need work. Right. I was young. And I said, sure, I'll go work for him for a summer. You know, no big deal. And I get in this truck and I go to mow and they had me weed whack. I was the trimmer. Right. We went and trimmed. OK, got that. Yep. Figured out how to do this. Yep. OK. And then uh, lunch came. And they went to McDonald's. And at the time, I was not eating a lick of fast food. I just flat out said, no, I'm not eating this. This is garbage food. I'm not eating it. And we went to lunch and they pulled into McDonald's. They said, what do you want? I said, I don't eat fast food. And they looked at me and they laughed. And I'm like, you're kidding me. It's like, well, I guess you're not eating then. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess I'm not eating then. And they didn't find that very funny. I found it kind of entertaining because it's like, well, you know, you treated me like this, so I'm not going to work for you, right? You didn't respect who I was and my life choices and decisions, so why should I work for you? So I fed my mind and I learned new things and I went somewhere else and I did other things. And that's 
right around the time when I joined that uh, super large nursery in Michigan and started working there. And I started to feed my mind and I started to hang out with the growers and the pesticide applicators there and the managers. And I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn the business. What's going on? You know, what's the margins? How much product are we moving? This, that, and the other thing. Right. I was just hungry to learn. And so it was, uh, you know, you should always, always, always be learning. Always. You know, I have so many books right next to me right now in my office. I'll just list what I have right next to me right now. Okay. I have a giant book. It's a Bible, basically, of tree tree and shrub diseases. Okay. It's like 500 pages of nothing but tree and shrub diseases. I have the ANSI Z133 safety standards. Urban forestry. I have the board certified master arborist exam preparation guide. I have the TCIA plant healthcare technician uh, book next to me, the certified arborist book, tree and shrub book, plant book, tree risk assessment manual. I got all the best management practices next to me. I open these up and I read them or I learn something new and you take this information and then you can monetize it. You really can. You just start plugging new things, right? I've seen some people in this industry, some close friends, you know, they live relatively close to me. And they're transitioning, they're pivoting, they're doing certain things. You know, one of my friends, Scott, he's getting more into hardscaping because to him, if he can do like a three to five, maybe $10,000 hardscape job, you know, he's making better money doing that than he's doing, you know, doing mowing. And he said that there's not enough people out there to do this service. So he saw, he saw the opportunity and he pivoted. And that's what he's focusing on now is trying to sell those jobs, right? I have another friend, Peter, he, he sold his entire mowing route and account and he's transitioning into full-on landscaping. And I'm sure Peter wants to do some beautiful designs. You know, he's a certified green industry professional. You know, he's feeding his mind to offer these services. And I'm sure Scott is too. You know, so I I really want to encourage every single one of you to continue learning. Always be learning, right? Always be closing as a salesman thing. Always be learning is an Austin Douglas thing. Like never stop learning. Right. When I go to Mexico with my wife in the winter, I'm always learning down there. I'm learning how the traffic moves. I'm learning how the city works. I'm learning how public transportation works. I'm learning new words. I'm learning new foods, new drinks. I'm learning the trees down there, how to prune the trees, how they react. I'm trying to learn everything I can down there. And then if I get some information down there, or after I obtain this information while I'm down there, how can I monetize it, right? So always be learning. That's the premise, right? Feed your mind. Because I'll tell you this, okay, that airspace job that I'll probably probably end up getting is roughly going to be a $1,200 to $1,500, maybe more, depends on what they want, um, job. And it's literally going to take me every bit of maybe two hours. Now, $750 an hour, you're doing awesome. I don't care who you are. If only you could do that eight hours a day as one man, wouldn't that be nice, right? You'd only have to work a few months a year. But if I didn't feed my mind, if I didn't learn these skill sets, if I didn't surround myself with people that have done this before me, how would I ever be able to offer this service and be the solution to this client? I wouldn't. And actually I wasn't, I referred this out to somebody who I knew was the solution. 
said, I, I can't do it. I know what's wrong, but I know the guy that can. I know the solution. The solution's over here. Call him. Oh, solution's too busy. Dang. Sorry. I don't know anyone else because there is no one else. And so now I'm hoping to be that person to where people start feeding me this work because they know the solution. They say, hey, I know the guy. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to be too busy and be like, my plate's full. I don't, you're going to have to call someone else, man. Right. And then that's how that works. You know, imagine if you could sell like 700 of those jobs. It's a pretty fat coin. If you can sell 700, $1,200 jobs or 700, $600 jobs or whatever, it's some pretty fat coin for anybody that I've ever met. I mean, it's not like $40 million or anything, but for a young small business with three employees, two employees, three employees, that's crushing it. You're doing awesome. So <sighs> it was a good day. Today was um an $800 revenue day, just doing those blue spruce treatments. And, you know, I was, it was fun. I got to inspect things. I got to see things. The one client that I've, I've been treating their magnolia scale as well. And I noticed that their boxwoods had leaf miners. And so I, I told them, made my recommendations and gave them a quote for it. And now it's up in the balls in their court if they want to. I also explained that, um, you know, replacing one boxwood shrub is going to be more expensive than the treatment and fertilization of all of them. That should make you go, okay, this is a better decision, right? Because boxwoods are expensive. I don't know where you guys are, but boxwoods here in Michigan, they're outrageous for what they are. But I, I mean, they, they grow relatively slow. But I think that the market just realizes like people want boxwoods and so they just have a fat margin on them. Because a, a three foot tall boxwood, you're talking like 150 to 250 bucks if it's a fat, tall, fat three footer. If it's a skinny one, probably a little bit less. But I've seen boxwoods all the way up to like 450 bucks. And I know there's boxwoods that are more than that. And so you just see that and it's like, you, you might as well just treat these because if you had to replace this whole row of boxwoods, you know, you're talking five, six grand. So that's, that's one way to position the cell, right? Is to say how much one shrub costs. Whereas you could do this and save all of them, right? It's just positioning the sale. And so hopefully the client agrees to that and they have me do that. And I go out there and do it and it's very profitable for us. And it's a new service that we'll probably offer every year. So I'm excited. We'll see. We'll see. This week, I don't know that I have too much else going on. I have to remove some red buds. I got to go do another blue spruce injection and talk with that client about uh, the air spade work. And then, what else? I don't think too much work. I got to get out there and start marketing and doing some door hangers and things like that. But tomorrow, my wife and I, we have an ultrasound for our baby, which is exciting. It's super early in the morning. Like, it was the only slot they had available at the hospital for doing this. It's like 8 a.m. And we have to leave here at like quarter after 7. So it's... <laughs> Uh, my wife is not a morning person. I'm most of you've probably never met my wife, but she is not a morning person. She's like, I want to wake up at nine and 10 if at all doable, which I don't know. I, I used to be a super morning person, like wake up at like five 36 and then being around her, it's made me want to sleep in too. So I'm getting in the habit of waking up again early 
and she still likes waking up late. So tomorrow should be interesting for her. But on another note, if you guys would like to learn how to identify poison ivy, I have a guide for you. I built a field guide. It's super simple. It's nothing too crazy fancy. It just shows you the difference in poison ivy, how to identify it, how to identify it through um, its winter structure, how to identify it in the summer, how to identify the leaves, what to, what nuances to look for, um, how to identify the vines and the vine structure, and then also how to identify it in fall. And so I know it's going to be a useful tool for you. You know, I would recommend that you just download it and print it out and keep it in your truck. And if you ever question and say, I don't know if that is, go grab it, walk over to that same area and study the pictures and say yes or no, right? It could save you two weeks, a month of, of being hospitalized, of itch and rash. And I really, truly recommend it. It's going to be down in the description below and you'll see it. I'll put the link in there. It's a www.poisonivy-academy.com forward slash field guide. And if you go to that link, you can download it. It's just it's very simple. It's going to ask for your name and email. You'll go to the next page and it'll be a downloadable document. And that's it. And you'll have it. And I know it'll serve you if you use it, right? I highly recommend that you just keep it on the truck. So, but other than that, I think that's going to conclude today's podcast. It's been such beautiful weather here in Michigan. Everyone's happier. It's been like 70s and sunny. And people are just absolutely, they're loving it. Everyone's happy, right? After being cooped up and in cold and nasty rain and ice storms and snow, you get that week of 70 degree weather and everyone's just, oh, they're just so happy. And so it's good, right? Happy people are good people. A happy society is a good society, I think. So yeah, other than that, hope you guys are doing well. I wish you all the best and take care and God bless.